Father, we thank you so much for your presence here tonight. Father, first and foremost, you are the most important person in the room. Father, first and foremost, we desire that you be the most important person in our hearts. And as we enter into worship tonight, Father, some of us have had busy days, some of us have had hectic afternoons and trying to get everything done and get back together and get here. And in that rush, we get rushed and we get frazzled. And I pray, Father, that even right now, the peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding fills and floods this place. That your Holy Spirit has complete control of each and every one of us. That as we worship tonight, that we will worship in spirit and in truth and in the fullness of the Spirit of God. And we pray, Father, that you receive all glory, all praise, all honor that is due your name. In Jesus' name, amen. For I am there. I am there to deliver you from every circumstance. You say, oh, there's just no help. There's no help. What can we do? Remember, I am the Lord God of the universe. None can stand before me. Have faith in me. I will work out everything to my will. Says the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. As we were worshiping, and I just closed my eyes and was just worshiping, and I saw a picture of a waterfall going this way. And I, it's, it doesn't mean a lot to me, but it's going to mean something to somebody here. I just I know what it is. And then I closed, I opened my eyes, and it, the, the vision went away. And then I closed my eyes again, and I saw a waterfall on this side. Now there was two of them this time. One on the one left and one on the right. And the Lord just spoke to me. I said, he said, I'm starting something in between the two waterfalls. That's all I know. Think it not strange that there are so many people here that have just sung that song. myself included and we don't go out and do the things that Jesus did that he walked on water <laughs> he puts healings in our hands and uh, I just sense that he wants us to do more of what he did do not be afraid. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I just know that there are people out there that need a touch.
from God. And it's going to be up to us and you to minister to that person, even if it's just say good morning. And there's something in saying good morning to some people that have no have had nobody else speak to them and then that opens the door for the next step and the next step the next step I'm going to challenge you to tomorrow to go out to the grocery store to go to the gas station and say to the clerk and to the, the tenant and whatever else is there whoever else is there and uh, put your armor on them and tell them that you care about what they're doing. And God, it's the scripture says that God will give you the words to say. So don't think about what it's going to say when, when you get there. Just go ahead and say something, <laughs> and He'll put the rest in your in your mind, and, and then you can speak. Amen. And or Renee, can you share that testimony from last year? <laughs> if you've ever seen the, uh, <clears throat> we're in the army. They say everyone. Well, who's volunteering take a step forward and everybody does this you know except for one uh, it was this time last year because it would have been tomorrow morning on the Saturday morning service we were getting ready to come and um, just just a normal morning nice bright sunshiny January morning and we're on our way everything's great and then come up over the hill on Manning and we saw a bunch of brake lights and it looked like there was just kind of a car in the middle of the road and um, so Renee's like slow down slow down slow down I think there's an accident and look at there's like fluid and there's steam coming out and so we, we, we were one of the very first other than the vehicles that were actually in the wreck uh, there were three vehicles involved uh, we were the first ones on the scene and um, Renee's like, stop, stop, stop. I said, no, no, I, I look, they're, they're, they got some, you know, they're, they're gonna pull somebody out of the car. It's like, I just, I can't see blood. I can't see blood this early in the morning. I just, I was like, it, it, it looked like they couldn't, it, it was a bad wreck. It was a really bad wreck. It was full speed, 55. And uh, Renee's like, stop, stop. I'm like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And uh, Renee's like, stop. And Grace said, stop. Grace was in the back seat. I felt like they pushed the brake on my foot. And um, I, I was obedient. I stopped and pulled over. And I was like, there's really nothing we can do. And they were able to, the, a car hit another car, went off into the ditch and hit a tree. And um, they were able to get the door open, get the woman out. And you know what she needed? She needed a warm car to stay in while the ambulance came and while the fire truck came and while paramedics and police and everything came. And um, Renee and, and Grace were obedient. I was obedient by their obedience. And um, that's what she needed. And Renee was able to 
um, minister to the woman, was able to calm her down. She was just like everybody else. She was just going somewhere. She was going to go visit her daughter who was in town, and they were going to go get a manicure or a pedicure together. They were just a beautiful Saturday morning, whatever all of us would have done. And um, But uh, I was just really thankful to be inconvenienced and so we were late and but you know what that wasn't what was important it was important to be to be there for her to be the the light and um and provide her what the only thing that we had so even if you don't think and and i gave a sermon about this was even if you don't think that what you have is insignificant that's a lie that's a lie because what you have is significant to somebody you don't know what they need you do not know what other people need but God does and he's going to use you Somebody else has got a testimony like that, where you were just there in the right place at the right time. It seems seems like it could be insignificant, but it's not. It's not insignificant. Who else has got a testimony? happens to me kind of regular <laughs> but uh, last summer we had a flight canceled when we were in in uh, Krakow and we were headed back to Gdańsk uh, for uh, ministry and um, we we got later and later and we had to go stay overnight in a hotel and so I went back in the morning and went to try and rebook our our flight and as I came into the lot office the night before there had been lines so long uh, we were some of the last ones to get in line because our luggage got off the plane last it was everything was all loaded and so Roger said well let's just go to the hotel now and we'll get it back later so we did but we came back in the morning and went to the lot Polish office the lot Polish Airlines and there was one man sitting to the right of me and there was nobody else in the office and I could see he was very distraught and uh, he was trying to rebook a flight uh, to New York. He'd missed a flight. Actually, what had happened, found out that, uh, I can't remember if he said or through the attendant, because he was so distraught that he uh, was drunk, and his wife had him removed from the plane, and he was trying to get to, connected to his family back in New York, and uh, so she was actually very patient with this guy, and uh, so while she was working on some things, I, I asked him, I, and now I don't remember exactly what it was. It was just like, sometimes you just know you're there that's all you're there and he was so distraught that I I said sir is there anything that I might do for you do you need prayer and he said prayer he said I prayed every day God doesn't help me at all he doesn't love me and was broken you know I don't know between us we were speaking Polish English <laughs> so anyhow I'm thinking oh God and my heart just sank but I knew that might have been the whole reason for the plight why I was there and so I kept praying for you know the right opening and I knew that we need to say more and after a little while Roger came in but nobody else well one lady came in and she was got something taken care of and she left otherwise nobody was in that office except he and I and the lady who was working on his stuff and she managed to find some relatives name and New York and she was like say very helpful but in between he and I had a little more time to talk and he said I've asked God every day to help me he had a, a drinking problem and uh, then later she sent him out to, to try and get his ticket and he had to come back and I said Rod follow that guy I know we're supposed to talk to him some more 
Well, he came back and he needed some more information, so we had a little bit more time. So he did allow me to, to pray with him. I said, you know, it isn't, he said, God doesn't love me. I said, oh, he loves you. I said, in fact, I think he sent this woman right here from thousands of miles away to tell you today that he does love you. Yeah. And that if you will just say, if you, instead of asking God for something, if you will just say, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. That's all I could think. You know, you only have a flash of time. We didn't know if we'd ever see the man again. And we got done with that part, and we were going to go. And he started to talk a little more. He said, I'm a doctor. And he, he actually a dentist, and he named the name of the city. And he said, so in his heart, he, wanted, he so wants to change. He said, I do love my wife. I do love my family. I do want to change. And I could, all I could say was, Jesus, you're the only, Jesus is your only answer. Just keep saying to him, Jesus, I want to know you, and he will meet you. And I've not had to leave it. I actually tried to reach his office to call him later to see what happened, but I continue to pray. His name is Dr. Paul. sorted out. Anybody else have one of those kind of testimonies? Can you do it quick? I know you, I know you. Come on up. Um, some years ago, I was working in a domestic violence shelter. And as a lot of you know, Pastor Dan and I were raised by an alcoholic abusive mother. So I knew what it was to be abused. And this woman came in, and the director took her in the back and gave her a bed to sleep in and food to eat. And I had built a wall. I didn't hug anybody. You could only get just so close to me because nobody was going to hurt me. And I went back there and I said, can I help you? And she yelled, no! And I took her by the hands and I said, if you don't remember anything else about your time here, please remember this. Jesus loves you and I do too. And she threw herself against me and put her head on my shoulder and she stopped. Three years later, I was in a restaurant and I was sitting there eating and somebody is standing behind me and they're hugging me and tears are running down my back. And I looked up and it was this woman. And she cried and she said, I had to find you. I just had to find you. And I said, you sit down, I'll get you something to eat. And she sat down, she said, do you remember what you did when I came in the shelter? And I said, oh honey, I laughed and cried with a lot of women. I don't remember what I did or said, but I remember your name and you. And she said, you held me and you hugged me. And if it wouldn't have been for that, I wouldn't be sitting here today. That hug sustained me all this time. And when she said that, 
I realized that God not only healed her, he healed me. Amen. 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 Excellent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More. More. Somebody else have one. Now I need like three people to stand up and come up here so we're not going to I don't have to come up every time and go more. More. Who's next? Keep coming. There's, oh, I know she's coming. I'm waiting for the other three that are supposed to stand up and come up here. Testimonies of God using you. Spur of the moment. When you least, when you least expected it. I need some men. I need some men who have testimony. Wonderful. I need men. Give me men who are have a testimony from God. Glory to God. God doesn't use men anymore. <laughs> I was driving down the road one time. I'm a, I know I'm a pastor, and I know it's my duty and my job, and my that's my part. I have to do this for a lot, you know my life, but anyway, I don't have to do it all the time. Not everybody knows I'm a pastor. I was driving down the road one time. I was at my southern Minnesota for my nephew's wedding. I had been golfing with my brothers uh, in the morning. And I'm driving back to my parents' house. And as I'm driving along, I look over on the side of the road. And there's a, a, a 1960-ish uh, Mustang, red Mustang, for sale. I love Mustangs. I just, that's, that's the car. To me, that's, that was the car uh, when I was a kid growing up. And it had a big for sale sign on it. And I never, I mean, I, there's no way, I, could I have bought that car? No, right, yeah, well, I wouldn't have been allowed to buy that car. <laughs> but but I just, I, for whatever reason, it was just like I needed to go look at that car. And, I, and I, I had to pull, actually I had to go, I had gone past it, I had to drive around, come back and then drive down into the yard. And so I get down in there and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the car, and I don't know why I'm looking at the car, because I'm not going to buy it anyway, but here I am looking at this car, and I'm looking inside, and I'm looking outside. All of a sudden, I heard the screen door on the house, and there was, I heard a voice through the screen door said, you like it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I love this car. I said, this is the kind of car I always wanted as a kid, and I said, I'd love to, and he goes, well, he says, it's only whatever, so many dollars. I said, no, I said, I, I can't, I'm not interested in buying it. I just wanted to look at it. Oh, oh yeah, it's a nice car. And he starts talking to Well, I walk over to the door, and here's a man with crutches. He's standing on crutches. And it's not, not the kind of crutches like you broke your leg. This is kind of like those crutches that somebody who's got them for the rest of their life. And he's standing on these crutches. And the Holy Spirit says, tell him that I can heal him. Tell him that God heals. Well, I'm human. And in my head, I'm like, huh? <laughs> I was just driving by and decided to look at the car. I wasn't coming here for ministry. I wasn't. He says, tell him that God, that I love him and that I want to heal him. I'm, okay. I mean, what can I, the guy doesn't know me. He'll never see me again. I'll, I'll take a swing at it here. Let's take a, so I said, hey, I just want to say something real quick. I, I, I just, you know, God loves you and, and he wants to heal you. His power is still available today to heal you. I don't know what's wrong with your legs, but I said, God wants you to know that he wants to heal you. And he goes, come in here. <laughs> Out in the middle of the country in southern Minnesota, and the guy says, come in here. 
the Holy Spirit said, it's okay, go. So I open the door, he backs up a few steps. I walk in and he goes, how did you know that? I said, how did I know what? He says, he points at his TV and Kenneth Copeland's preaching on the TV. And he said, that man just said that I could be healed and I was just sitting here going, God, is that real? And you walk up and tell me that God loves me and that God can heal me. Do you think that's true? I said, you know, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, can I pray for you right now? He goes, absolutely. Laid hands on him, prayed for him. Nothing seemed to change. I had a release to leave. I left. I have no idea. But there's a reason why that happened the way it happened being used by God you don't you don't have to you don't have to see all the miracles you don't have to be the one who sees all the miracles but you can plant a seed maybe it was another seed or it was definitely it was water in that situation and maybe maybe as soon as I drove away he was instantaneously healed and I'll just never know it until heaven it doesn't really matter because it's not about getting a notch on my belt it was about God doing what he wanted for that man amen being used. Letting God use you wherever you're at. Men, come forward. So this morning, I woke up and was going to get ready to go to um, go meet with my sister. And I had a lot of other things to do. And the Lord said, you're going to minister. And I thought... I don't really have time to do that and he, but he said no you're going to and he told me who it was and so I got in the car and I did my errands and I did what I was supposed to do and um, and uh, as I'm driving to the post office I see her <laughs> there she is Lord said, go to the post office, then go pick her up. I said, okay. <laughs> so I turned around, or I went to the post office, and I picked her up. And she wasn't going to get in the car, and <laughs> I'll just walk. Like, no, get in the car. <laughs> she said, no, I'm going to walk. So we talked, and I took her home and drove in front of the house, and we sat there and we talked and prayed. And I'm supposed to tell you who it is. And please, please pray for the Cunningham family. Some horrendous things happened in the last, on, on the first, that um, Joanne's sisters, two boys were killed in a murder, um, suicide. And so I sat with her and I talked with her and I prayed with her and I was like, God, you are amazing. And then she looked at me and they're, they sold their house recently. So they've been through a lot of stuff and this Christmas has been super, super hard on her. And then this happens. And I'm sitting there and, and she says, she says, man, I really need a frying pan. I said, really? <laughs> I really need a frying pan. I said, I 
have a frying pan in my back of my car. I was going to take to Goodwill. <laughs> I said, I jump out of the car. She goes, what are you doing? I go, I have a frying pan in my trunk. I open it up. And she goes, oh my goodness, this is even better than the one John gave me yesterday. You know Joanne, if you know Joanne. I'm just like, oh my goodness. She got out of the car and off she went. I drove away and, oh my gosh, God, you are so amazing to set that up. There she was. I mean, we didn't plan it or he planned it. He did it. And so right down to the frying pan. I got two frying pans in my trunk. I wonder where God's going to send me. That's all I can say. Boy, after that testimony, mine doesn't seem big, but it is the little things in life sometimes that we don't want to miss. And sometimes it's the ordinary places we go that God uses us. I go to this gas station all the time. The one lady at this gas station, they went through chaotic stuff. And there's actually two incidents I'll share with you. Um, The gas station was gonna change hands, and the lady that was there, and I actually don't know her name because I didn't ask her her name. But she said to me, they're selling it again, and I'm really worried I'm gonna lose my job because I can't afford it. I looked at her and I said, I'm gonna pray and you won't lose your job. I got in my car after that, and the Lord said, well, maybe she doesn't want that job. And I said, well, God, if she doesn't want that job, if you have a better job for her, would you get that for her? And I didn't think anything about it. And about a week later, I was back at the gas station, because I always need gas, I'm always going someplace. And I saw her, and I said, so have they told you if your job is secure? She said, yes. But she said, you know what? I found a better job over at another place in town. And I'm like, that is an answer to my prayer. And she looked at me and she went, like she couldn't believe that I would be praying for her and a job and that God would answer that prayer. You know, who knows? But the one that really God sent me up for was a story about Dominic. It's the same gas station. So I don't know, maybe this is where God really wants me. I don't know. Some people are sent to Africa. Some people are sent to gas stations. I guess so. I guess so. But again, it was one of those ordinary things because I don't feel like I'm extraordinary. I just feel like I want to obey God in the little places in my life. Which is extraordinary. And so, again, I'm in the same gas station. It's another lady that works there. And when I come in there, she always calls me honey. And I thought, that's kind of strange. She always calls me honey, but she's so nice. And um, one day I came in there. She called me honey like normal, but she, she had a different look on her face. It was like I knew something was troubling. And I looked at her and I said, I said, is there some kind of a problem? And I looked her in the face and I said, is there something I can pray about? 
and she looked at me and she shook her head. Yeah. She said, my stepson, Dominique, he needs to go to treatment and he won't go. I said, really? So I said, is he, what kind of treatment does he need to go? She said, he's an alcoholic. I said, okay. I said, I'm going to pray that God will lead him to treatment. Okay? So, a week later, I saw her and I said to her, uh, what's the news with Dominic? Nothing. I said, well, we'll keep praying. Yesterday, I stopped and got gas and I asked her that question. And she explained to me why I haven't seen her for a while. She's on day shift and usually I'm there at night. But I said to her, how's Dominic? She said, He's going into treatment. He's just trying to decide if he wants the long course or if he's going to do the shorter process. And I was so pleased. Amen. I said, thank God. Amen. Amen. Um, I've shared this before, so I was a little hesitant <laughs> to bring it up again. Uh, back in 1964, I, was, I had retired from the military, and I was, or not 64, 86. Oh, <laughs> that was that God calling? Huh? Anyway, um, so I was in college uh, uh, right in the middle of the semester. I get a call from my sister in Texas, and my mother had had a stroke, a serious stroke. And so... I said, well, I probably ought to go down there. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm right in the middle of this class. I've got to pass it to get my degree. Should I? And the Lord just laid it on me. Go sing for your mother. And one of the earliest mem memories I have is I was about three years old standing on the piano bench beside my mother singing, Jesus Loves Me. She's always enjoyed my singing. Okay, Lord. So I dropped everything, went down to Texas. Uh, she was in an ICU went in there and started uh, uh, singing for her. I had played guitar also, and so I was playing guitar and singing. And uh, the, uh, uh, the attendant, the nurse, came in and closed the curtains. It was one of these uh, ICUs where you know, it was pretty much open to the hallway, and they closed the curtains. I said, oh, I must be singing too loud. I'm disturbing people. So anyway, I went ahead and uh, finished the song. As I was leaving, I went stopped by the nurse's station and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sing so loud to disturb people. She said, oh, no, 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 that wasn't the problem at all. The man across... The man across the hall had died. We didn't want you to have to look at him as we are taking him out. So anyway, I went back and sang for my mother some more, but she died. I said, Lord, why did you call me all the way down here to sing for my mother when it wasn't going to do a bit of good? I said, I wanted to come down here to sing for your mother because the man that was across the hall, that was his last chance to accept me as Lord and Savior before he died. So, <coughs> always being one who wanted to keep a scorecard, <laughs> I said, well, did he accept you? He said, that's not your business. That's not your concern. Your concern is to do exactly what I tell you, and I'll take care of the results. 
okay. So I don't know if he accepted the Lord or not, but I know that because of what the Lord told me to do, he had the opportunity, and it was up to him Amen. to say yes or no. That's exactly right. Amen. Testimonies. Anybody else? Uh, we live in an apartment building and uh, I think there's 62 apartments and uh, one day I heard that this lady was uh, had cancer and uh, I didn't know if I should go pray for her or not but the next day she was walking down the hallway and I I said uh, I forget what her name was what was her name Did you remember? I don't remember either but I, I, did, I just said is there something that you you want to share with me and uh, she said I'm, I have cancer and I don't have much long to live and I said can I pray for you and she said sure so I hugged her close to, to my, my body and I prayed the Lord's healing upon her and everything like that and she thanked me and kissed me on the side of the cheek and I, you know, about two, three days later she died and I thought why did I pray for her and why did she die <laughs> and uh, the Lord said it's okay I mean she was ready to go and I I was just be a, being obedient to what the Lord said and living up to what I said b before we should always go after somebody that's out there you don't know who it is but that was my chance so I, I did it Amen. Amen. Anybody else? <laughs> let's give up. Let's give people first chances first. Then you can have a second chance. Okay. Well. Uh, I was a registered nurse at a clinic, and I've retired since, but I did one-on-one, -on -one, doesn't matter what I did, but I, I saw people one-on-one. -on -one. And there was a lady that came in, and I asked her how she was doing that day. And we had to do some blood tests and things, and then um, she said, well, I'm not doing very well. I lost my diamond out of my ring and I can't find it. So she was pretty distraught, and I just said, well, um, do you believe in prayer? And she said, yeah. So I prayed that she would find it. Well, I suppose, I don't know, I didn't see her for probably another maybe couple months. She came back in, and I, I said, oh, did you ever find your diamond? And she said, I did. She said it was on the floor, down between seats in her car. She, I mean, you know how big a diamond, well, some diamonds are big, but anyway, I just said, wow, God is good. And I didn't know where she was spiritually or anything, but I didn't, you know, 
in a manner. It just built my faith. Amen. And hopefully built hers too. Amen. Amen. preaching tonight. It's testimony tonight. So if you're going to wait, we'll wait for uh, 28 more minutes. Yeah, come on up. Testimonies. Right, this is to testify of how much God wants to speak to people. So I'm in Sydney, and in Sydney, I, I live there Sydney, in Australia. Sydney, Australia, not Sydney, Canada. Yep. Okay. <laughs> And so a transport, I'm on the bus, and it's one of those days where, right, I'm trying to learn how to hear God's voice, and so I'm telling him about that. And then on this one trip, taking several buses, I end up talking to like three people. And I'm telling you, first of all, people, they are hungry to talk to people, to connect. And so I'm talking about church with this one lady and talking to this guy. And then the third person, honestly, in my... In my heart, I got a bit of an attitude, and I was like, what, God, you wanted me to talk to everyone? Because I was like, this is one trip. What do you want me to do? And I am not even joking. He goes, no, I want to. And I was like, just having that revelation of he knows everyone. He wants to speak to everyone. And just so then me putting being put in my place I was like well then I guess I have to be ready so but um how beautiful is that God loves everyone so much that he wants to be speaking to them so amen come up in bunches don't wait for the first next person to sit down makes things go faster What was that the other night when I'm um, Roger and Myrna are preaching? Pastor John, you know, is supposed to share with each other, and I shared about a lady that I thought was out in Colorado, but on the way home, Patty said, "Oh, she was in Deadwood." I said, "Oh yeah, she was in Deadwood. What's the difference?" But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it matters to Patty, so get it right. Yes. Yeah. So I asked her to come up with me, so. But she wouldn't do it. So, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so anyway, we're at the casino. Not just kidding, but we're at the. <laughs> but, <laughs> but <laughs> we just got done eating, and Patty wanted to stop over and get a drink at the coffee shop. So we stopped over there, and so this young lady was waiting on us, and and she turned around to make the drinks, and. Thought, Patty, I said, why don't you witness to her to, you know, to receive the Lord or whatever? I just had that come up in me. So, and then she kind of hesitated. I thought, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it, you know? But I wanted, I believe she was the one to do it, and she was the one to do it. Because, um, she went up and she asked her if she knew the Lord and she said yes and Patty goes is there anything we can pray for you for I think that's the way it went is that right Patty so okay 
and uh, but anyway, so she goes, yes. She says, my brother's son passed away just as a three-month-old infant. And so we prayed with her and for her family because it sounded like one of the one of them in the family had blamed God for it. So we prayed that they'd know the truth and we prayed for peace and comfort for that family. I'd like to share one more because, you know, there's so many hurting people out there. And so we're on a cruise and I got to pray with some people on the cruise. But this one stuck out to me as we were sitting back there thinking about hurting people. We're at the lodge and this waiter comes out and he's waiting on us and you could tell that something wasn't right. And I said, I said, hey, I said, you know that Jesus loves you, you know, and that he cares for you and has your best interest. And I said, is there anything I can pray with you with? And he goes, no, I'm good, I'm good. And when he got up to leave, he came up. And he had tears in his eyes. He started to break down. And he said, pray for my family. There's so much strife and division in my family. Pray for my family. So I prayed for him and his family. But so many hurting out there. And it's something you don't plan, but it's something God has planned. And he brings it up on your spirit to go witness or go speak to that person. So, there we have a cabin, or we rent a cabin, up in Hayward, Wisconsin. Big lake, lots of boats, we go swimming all the time. And we have a friend there, his name is Evander. I think, um, Grace is younger than you. Yeah, he's younger than Grace. Um, so, we were playing one day by the swing set before breakfast, and, um, I asked him if he knew God. He said he um uh hmm I can't quite. Well, anyways, I think he said no or something. So Grace and I got him saved. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm a waitress at a restaurant and one of my coworkers was really, really struggling with uh, financial and she had just had a baby and her family was kind of falling apart and all of the other wait staff knew about this so we'd always talk with her, try to comfort her and uh, one time after work, uh, we were all in the break room taking break and eating food and she came in and just looked so distraught and so 
shooken up and she goes can somebody please drive me home after work i had to have a ride my mom her mom was doing something and she was living with her mom and she had nobody to drive her and it was uh middle of winter so i think it was like negative 20 degrees outside and i was like there's no way this woman's driving home but my flesh went oh you're so tired you got to go home afterwards you got school in the morning eh, it's not going to be you somebody else will take her home and <laughs> the lord convicted me he goes mm you're taking her home and i went oh. i was like i was like i was like lord, lord please no i got to i got to sleep and he goes tally and i was like i was like okay and i didn't say anything and finally she goes she goes i'll pay whoever i'll pay somebody to drive me and in my flesh god said you're going to take her home and you're not going to take the money and i was like okay and i was like i i will take you home and and she goes she about she was about to hand me the money and i said i was like no i was like you need you need that money you need that money for food you need that for anything and she like almost broke down crying and she goes thank you thank you thank you so much so i drove her home and i dropped her off and she looked over me and she goes your love today just just taught me so much and thank you so much for sharing that and driving me home and she was just super blessed by it so amen couple but this morning on Facebook one of my nieces who uh, Renee would know very well uh, uh, was talking about all her plans for the weekend you know and uh, I felt the spirit prompt me to say why don't you include a little time to praise Jesus and I, then I put love you uncle Jim and she texted me back and says I will I love you too. But that was pretty insignificant. But it was, I, I thought I should just, you know, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit asked me to do that. Amen. 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 Quite, exactly. a, quite a few years ago, I, I went to a dentist and I had a bad toothache. And uh, then uh, I, I, had, I just became a believer. And actually, I got healed many times when I first became a believer. And I went into the dentist chair, and uh, he, he said, "What? Well, what's wrong?" You know, I told him I was coming in because I had a toothache. He said, "What's wrong?" Well, I said, "It's not there anymore." He said, "Well, what happened?" I said, "Well, I prayed, and the toothache is gone." You know, and then we got talking about the Lord, and told me he was a Christian and then I told him about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and I had a book along I think it was by a guy named Bennett or something Dennis Bennett or something like that and I said you know I, I was so excited about the Lord I could hardly stand it you know and I gave him the book and uh, he said I'll, I'll read it and then I went back there about a month later, and the first thing he says to me is, Jim, I got it. <laughs> you know, I got it. And he ended up being the president of the Full Gospel Businessmen's in Redwood for a long time. And uh, so it was, a, it was a wonderful deal. I got more, but I can't remember them. <laughs> about a year ago, when I fell down, it hit my head. 
You know, I didn't remember a thing for a day and a half when I went to the hospital. Before I could leave, they had to give me a memory test. And I said, listen, I couldn't remember anything before. You think that fall helped? <laughs> well, this actually happened a few years ago. Um, shortly after both of our boys moved away, Probably one of the first Christmases without any children at home, or grandchildren. Um, it was kind of rough. But we took off and we left for church. And on the way to church, we turned down the road, there was a car in the ditch. So Wayne stopped. And it was a young couple. They were really distraught. They were very not, not very happy whatsoever. So we asked them if we could help them. They had no cell service, no nothing. And Wayne says, well, I tell you what, we'll go back to the house. I'll get the chain and I'll get you pulled out. So when we did that, we came back, got them, pulled them out. And their faces just lit up. You know, it's like, you know, they tried to give Wayne money and he said no. He said, God bless you and Merry Christmas. And they, they just smiled and they said, no, God bless you and Merry Christmas. And that, that was such a blessing from God because it just made the whole Christmas worthwhile. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I just felt like someone needed to hear this, but... Um, Recently, we went to uh, a service. It was it was a healing service. We hadn't seen the guy before. Um, anyway, we went to the service, and he was talking about how um, often he was challenging us to be God's conduits or vessels, and that a lot of times we think, well, have I prayed enough to be used today? Have I been in the word? I haven't been in the word for like a week. I have, especially like for something like healing, which is what we were talking about, right? <clears throat> and, and, and he was saying, "You guys, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you." And when someone's praying for you for healing, the last thing you want is them focusing on them and whether or not they're spiritual enough to be used, right? He said, "Let's get thinking about the person. Ask God for the heart for the person." So anyway, we get to this point, and um, I'm supposed to pray for this guy, and he says, ask God to build your faith in, in theirs to tell you where they need healing. And then you tell him, and you pray for him. Oh my goodness. So I'm standing, I'm like, I've got nothing. And I prayed, I'm like, God, he needs what you have that I don't. You need to do this for him. And um, and and I and he said just to ask him to show you, and I didn't see anything. I'm like, okay, God, I'm opening my mouth. I'm gonna open my mouth. Just like who just said that? Just open your mouth. Who said that? Rod. Yep. I'm I'm opening my mouth, and right as I go to open my mouth. I get a pain in my back right here in my lower left sacrum never had a pain there ever before other places I've had pains never there and my eyes flew open and I looked at him I go lower left back your sacrum right here and he goes yeah that's exactly where it is anyway 
praise God. We prayed for him, and his, it, the, it was better, and whatever. That's, but the point of it wasn't the healing, you guys. That's not the point of what I felt like God wanted me to share with you. Someone here needed to hear, it's not you. It's not if you were That's in right. your word this morning. That's right. It's not, it's, it's not you. We need to get our eyes off of us. When God tells us to do something, this goes right back to the whole week of humility and pride. It's not us. That's right. That's right. Well, this is um, this is a praise report, but um, I'm hoping to get the Reader's Digest version out because it's also going to be a prayer request. About 15 years ago, um, when we were on our mission, one of our mission trips to uh, Sigishwara, Romania, with Light to the Nations. We met a family, uh, Martin and Aniko Shakarish, and they had four girls. And God had given them a word that they were going to have many boys. Well, they were not going to have any more kids, I don't think. But but God ended up bringing in five abandoned Roma Gypsy boys into their family, so one at a time, uh, and we've. We've sponsored them for a number of years and watched them grow up. And uh, the boys are getting older, and many of them struggle with abandonment. Uh, do I fit? Don't I fit? And especially the oldest one, Peter Varga. And we've been praying for him, and I got a chance to... He's, he's 18 now. He's, he's a senior in high school. And we had a chance... I had a chance to get down there about a year and a half ago and meet with the whole family and reconnect physically with the boys. And, you know, Peter's been struggling since he went to the family, right, Marta? I mean, he's, he never really fit in. He was the oldest one that that came into the, the, he was the oldest when he came into the family. I think he was four years old. And, you know, the situation in, in many of these Roma um, families is the mothers can go to the hospital and deliver the babies, but if they don't have the money to bring them out, Many times some others have to sneak out in the middle of the night and, and leave them in the hospital and, and not, not be able to take them home. And that's that's what happened with the, the bi boys that are with the, the Shakarish family. So anyway, um, fast forward to uh, about a year and a half ago, I was I was down there, and you know Peter's kind of off the side. He's a great musician, but he's the shortest one, and he's obviously the most. Roma looking and, and struggles with a lot of things. So I started corresponding off and on with him through his sister Kinga, you know, encouraging him. I sent him I sent him a note on, you know, my childhood, which had some real challenges and tried to, you know, explain it's it's worth it. Hang in there with God, hang in there with your call, your purpose, because he was considering leaving school and he was considering, you know, all kinds of things, getting into some trouble and um make a long story short uh, he has decided that he's going to finish high school he's going to graduate in May um, he's he's got an idea of maybe going on to college he's not sure but he's he's looking at a job so um, the other ones Adi and uh, Joseph and George and Daniel are all fitting in much much better they're doing better I mean they all have issues but especially Peter's had a, a a soft spot in my heart so I'd like you to agree with me that 
he will finish school. He will finish school and do well. Uh, he, he has an opportunity as a Roma in Romania to attend university for free. Not, not any university, but certain ones. And so I'm also encouraging that, but I'd also like to have you stand in agreement with me that he has gainful employment, has good Christian friends. I mean, that's, that's key. He goes to, he goes to a Roma, Romanian church, um, plays music there, but it's sporadic. The other, the other kids are involved with, with praise and worship and, and in church. But, um, you know, these, these kids have been pulled out of abject poverty. Now they're speaking two, two different languages. They're, they're able to be employed. But the issues of, of abandonment and, you know, self-worth are, are still there. So, um, This is an old story that um, happened when I was a brand new Christian. I had become a Christian with just the witness of the Holy Spirit and had, didn't have somebody to guide me. And, um, and then I had got the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I read Mark 16 and it said I was supposed to speak in tongues. So, and that's a whole different story someday. But so now I was working my way through the book of Acts. And um, I went to a homemakers meeting, and um, there was a young girl there who was a foreign exchange student from Turkey, a Muslim girl, kind of like a non-practicing Muslim at the time, because this was like 35 years ago when Turkey wasn't radical. And um, I heard the Lord say, I want you to go over to her and speak in tongues. And I was like, what? That is crazy. Abs no. You know, and but the urge was, you know, and I was like, I'm new at this. I haven't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think other people really did this sort of thing. And so I was sitting there kind of arguing with the Lord and she's showing slides. Um, so it shows you how old this was. <laughs> she's showing slides with her slide projector. And um, I said, well, Lord, if you really want me to do this, have her bring Jesus up. And then the next slide is a stained glass window of Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And she says, does anybody know who this is? And I said, well, yeah, that has to be, you know, Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. But this is in the middle of a homemaker's meeting with all the people sitting around, you know. And, and I'm still feeling the Lord saying to me really clearly, I want you to go over to her and start speaking in tongues. So then I said, well, Lord, if she asks, I'll do it. <laughs> and so then she f puts her slides away and she says, I speak like three languages and I've really got a hobby kind of like or interest in identifying strange languages. <laughs> so if any of you have a language that you think I don't know, please come tell me. And I'll see if I can, you know, tell what it is. So, 
like, are you sure, God? <laughs> and he, and so I hang back a little, and two or three ladies go up, and they know some Swedish or whatever. And then I'm like, I don't know. Lord, maybe if it's just the two of us. And then all of a sudden, all the women leave to go have dessert. And she looks at me, and she says, so don't you have a language you want me to hear? So... I say, well, yeah. So I start. And I go, well, this sounds really different than it did before. <laughs> you know? And she stops and she goes, oh! and she says, who taught you that? I said, uh, that Jesus? That was, you know. <laughs> and, um, she says, really? She says, and where did you hear the story? And I said, I don't know what I just said. <laughs> and I explained it to her, and she says, you mean you don't speak that language? I said, no, never before tonight. <laughs> no, and she, um, she's like, oh, well, no, that, you know, and she's just, she wants to ask me questions about the story. And, and she says, well, well, say it again. So I do, and she's just like, where did you hear that story? And she wouldn't, I said, well, what is this, what is the story? <laughs> you know? She wouldn't tell me, and I, so I go to have dessert, and then she comes and pulls me aside again and says, tell me the story again. So I did, and she just was shaking her head. That's the end of the story. <laughs> I have no idea, but I think, you know, it did bolster my faith that tongues are real. And <laughs> I think maybe somebody needed to hear that. Second Corinthians chapter 2, 14 through 17. Turn there if you've got it real quick. I've got two minutes. It'll take me three. Second Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 14, says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of of him everywhere for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life who is sufficient for these things for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. That is the fragrance of God. What you heard tonight is the fragrance of God. Those are testimonies of the fragrance of God. That's how people get saved. They experience God through somebody else and it doesn't have to be a pastor I could tell you a whole bunch of stories before I was a pastor 
It has nothing to do with the title. It has nothing to do with the position. It has not, it, all it has to do is in Christ. Being in Christ and then being obedient. And you heard from a whole bunch of people. They argued with God, then did it anyway. And God did amazing things. We are to be the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. That's how this revival will spread. Not by the pastor having opportunity to preach to all your friends. It's not going to be by a big uh, outdoor evangelistic meeting with one guy up on a stage and bringing everybody to him. It's going to be one person meeting with one person, sharing the love of God, sharing the, the word that he tells them to speak, doing what he tells them to do, giving them words of wisdom, giving them tongues and interpretation, giving them a story, giving them an opportunity, telling them to do something, and all of a sudden, a word of knowledge, boom. God is revealed to them. Now, not everybody's going to receive, and that's what we're all afraid of. We're all afraid about the ones who aren't going to receive. I could tell you just about as many stories of rejection as I could of acceptance. First time I ever went out street witnessing. I, I had shared my faith before, but the first time I ever went out street witnessing, I was handing out tracts out in front of a bar. And the Holy Spirit said, hand out, go out, take a whole stack of tracts, go hand them out. It was a cold winter night. I'm standing out in front of this bar. First guy that walks out is a biker. Great opportunity. Wonderful God. Thank you so much. I handed him the track. Oh, he wasn't a nice biker like you, uh, Patty. Not nice at all. I hand him the track. I said, hey man, God loves you. He looks at it, swore at me, threw it in my face, stomped off. Next person that comes out, I said, hey, God loves you. And they went up to me and go, whoa, Neetzel. Ah, 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 ah. What are you doing? I said, uh, I'm standing out here telling people about Jesus. Whoa, whoa. Now I know I'm drunk. Okay. Uh, yeah, no thanks. And he walks off. Person after person after person. Reaction after reaction. I walked away from there thinking, nothing happened. I thought I was, I was so discouraged by the end of that night. I was like, well, God, why'd you even send me out there? So the next morning I'm going to church, because I was going to church on Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, a girl walked through the door. And I remembered I had handed her a track the night before. God threw me a bone on that one. I spent one morning, I knew I was anointed. I knew, I knew the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me to, to witness to this man. He had actually, it was halfway across the world. He told me before I left, I was going to be witnessing to this specific man. He showed me this man. And I met him, and I, I'm talking to him, sitting at his kitchen table. And I am, I am just, and the Holy Ghost is pouring out in that room. I mean, literally, the, he's given me the words, and he's just, I'm, I was amazed. I almost got saved again. It was wonderful. <laughs> And he looked at me and he said, well, that's a, your story is nice for you. And rejected Christ. To some, we are death to death. But to some, we're life to life. It's not up to us. Who just said that? Somebody just said, it's not up to us. Who receives it? Jen. Hard to believe. But yes, Jen, you know, I... <laughs> 
It's, that's right. It's not about you, Jen. That's right. But it's not up to us whether they receive or don't receive. It's up to us to be the fragrance of Christ. If you don't be the fragrance of Christ, they won't know. I had a man ask me one time, will you come up to the hospital to, uh, to visit my dying friend? And I thought, well, okay, sure, I'll go along and I will, uh, I will support you. I mean, I wasn't going there with any intention other than to support this man. I, I'm going with him so that I thought he could witness to his friend. And uh, he says, hey, the guy's name was Tiger. He said, well, you might know Tiger. He was Tiger, no, Tiger was a, was a tow truck driver in New Richmond years ago. And he goes, hey, Tiger, he says, I'm, I'm, we're here to, to talk to you. He says, Pastor has something to say. And he just... <laughs> Uh, so what, what do you got? He goes, well, it's cancer, blah, blah, blah. They don't give me much time, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, can I pray for you? And he said, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Pray for me. Okay, so I lay my hands on him. Prayed for healing. Prayed that God would touch his body. God would restore him. In the name of Jesus, amen. How do you feel? No, I don't feel any better. Okay. I said, well... Okay, sorry, you know, I'm really awkward. I can be awkward too. I don't have to be, you don't have to be perfect. You know, you don't have to be perfect. You can be awkward. You can screw it up. You know, you can screw it up and God can still make it work. Because I was like, okay, I, yep, I'm done. Yeah, you know, and I said, hey, you know, have a nice life. No, I didn't say that. But I said, and I, I walk out of the room and I'm really kind of upset with the guy that just threw me under the bus. You know, I wasn't expecting that. So I start walking down the hallway and the Holy Spirit says, you're not done. Go back, ask him if he wants to get saved. I'm a pastor. I should have said, yes, Lord. Oh, yes. And I'm thinking, I was just in there. He didn't seem very receptive. No, I'm not going to do that. And I keep walking. You're thinking, don't look at me in that holy... <laughs> then thou face I kept walking I get to the elevator and the Holy Spirit says you're not done yet get back there and ask him if he wants to get saved it's like come on I was just in there you should have told me when I was in there <laughs> I push the button the doors open up I step into the into the elevator I start going down and the Holy Spirit says I told you to go back in there and ask him if he wants to get saved. The door opens up. The guy I'm with, I'm saying, he starts to get off. I said, get back in here. Why? I said, we got to go back upstairs. Why? I said, I'm not done yet. Push the thing, go back upstairs, get back in the hallway, walk in. I walk in. You know, you think, you know, the Holy Spirit, you, you, you're obeying him. You know, this ought to be, he should make it easy on you, right? So it should be, I walk in, the guy looks, he goes, you're back again, huh? And I said, uh, yep, I'm back again. Well, what do you want? I said, you know, I just can't get over the thought. I said, do you want to be saved? He goes, yes, yes, I do. And I explained to him who Jesus was. He, had, he didn't go to church. I explained to him what Jesus did for him on the cross. I explained to him that he had to repent of his sins. I explained to him that, he, that we had to put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. 
And I said, do you understand? And he goes, I understand it. He goes, I absolutely understand it. And I said, then pray with me right now. Prayed with him. That man got born again right there. The fragrance of Christ. No, don't clap. Don't clap. Don't clap. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but here's the deal. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We left that day. God didn't stop me on the way down. Praise God. There was nothing else. I, I had done what I was supposed to do. The next morning, I got a phone call from my friend. He says, Tiger died this morning. Mercy of God. I could have missed that. This revival is about the fragrance of God. Just being who you are. School, work, parking lot, driving into church. Gas station, <laughs> anointing. Let's stand. The Spirit of God just spoke to me tonight that not everyone is saved in this room tonight. If you would die tonight, where would you go? There's only two places, heaven or hell. And that this whole week is all about, is to make sure that everybody would go to heaven and not to hell. I'm asking you tonight, please examine your heart and make sure that you would go to heaven. And how do I do that, you say? Well, if you believe, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that he died for you, he lived on this earth, and then he went to heaven. The scripture says, then you shall be saved. But you do have to do one more thing. You believe it in your heart, and then you confess it with your mouth. Is there anyone among us here? Please, people, you to be who are saved, please pray. Because I sense in my spirit there's a very crucial moment here tonight. Is anyone among us who's not sure? Would you just raise your hand? That's all I'm asking. Just raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. We want to make sure that you will go to heaven. Can the whole congregation just pray it together with me? Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus. And he died for me. I believe 
Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose. And He's alive today. I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive all my sins. Come into my heart. Change me. Make me make me like you. I give my life to you. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. And I say, according to what the Bible say, that I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you tonight, maybe for the very first time, tell the person you came with today. Let somebody know. Confess it out loud to somebody. Tell somebody it's important.